tell me something you don't want me to know, but I need to know. That was the voice of Matt George, CEO of Children's Home Association of Illinois, one of the largest social organizations outside of Chicago in the state. We talked about some of his insights on communicating with such a large, complex organization. Hey, welcome to Communicating on Point. This show is dedicated to understanding and sharing the insights to help you become a more powerful communicator and a stronger leader. Without further ado, let's listen in to the conversation I recently had with Matt. Matt, thank you so much for um, sitting down and talking about your organization and about the things that you've learned in communication. And I, I, I want to jump right into it. When I think about Children's Home and the work that you all do here, I mean, this is a massive organization. This is the, what, the largest social service organization outside of Chicago and Illinois? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, uh, it's 154 years. Uh, if you think about it, dating back to 1866, uh, it's a old, cool organization. Uh, it's huge. We have a $30 million budget, wow. 450 employees. I think the, when you look at how many kids and families actually flow through our agency, uh, $1,700 per month, and it's, it's an astounding a phenomenal number when you think about it because we could actually probably hire double our staff and still uh, be short of what's needed out in our community. Mm, that's remarkable. And so as you explain the scope and the size and the complexity of that, when I think about the role of, of an executive, you know, the especially a CEO like yourself, the main thing I think about is that's a communicator role. And I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess... You know, what are some of the things that you've found in, in your experience here about how do you get everybody on the same page? I mean, I'm thinking about the community. I'm thinking about the, the staff. I'm thinking about so many people. How, how do you do that? Well, uh, you have to break it down, first of all, and you have to look internally first. And in the, in the community and um, outside of the community, uh, it, it's different because um, people, no matter how long you've been around, people still don't know what you do um, they think of children's home as a orphanage or they'll think of uh, what's that big building on Knoxville or they take care of tough kids um, but it's it's a lot deeper than that and I think that's the the rebrand that we've tried uh, doing this past few years is looking at um, really kind of telling our story. We've For 150 years, Children's Home has been the hidden gem in the community. In the past three to four years, my goal is to uh, take it outside of that hidden gem and really kind of tell the story and be very transparent with people. Now, that transparency does go internally, too, to, uh, to the communication piece because I'm not one to really shy away from saying how I feel. I'm not one to, to shy away from um, saying that we're struggling right now or we're doing great right now or that there's a crisis going on. Um, you know, there's there's something in our business that that's going on every five minutes. And it's good and bad. And But that's no different than what's outside in the community. And so I think it's our job, and we've been tasked. There's 450 employees here that have been tasked with taking care 
of the kids and taking care of the families, which in turn means taking care of the community. And I look at it as being in my position, not only are we tasked with that, I'm tasked personally with taking care of 450 employees, but also 450 employees' families. And I think that's the most important uh, part of my job. Mm. I, I take that piece very seriously. So I want to I want to dive into something there. You you've used the word story a couple of times. Now it's it's easy. You've got a lot of statistics that you can share with people and the community and the numbers and all the data. But you use the word story. Could you dive in and help me understand if I want to be better at telling my story? Uh, if I'm in an organization, if if I'm in a church, wherever I am, how do I? How do I get better at that story side from your experience? Well, I think the story is the most important part of any business. I don't care whether it's a nonprofit or for-profit. The story is who you are. Um, the story paints a picture that people can relate to. Now, how you tell the story is just as important. You can sugarcoat a story pretty easily. That doesn't that doesn't hook you. Um that's why I say being very honest about what's going on. Um, you don't have to tie names to it. A, a person can visualize um, a homeless youth. A person can visualize um, a kid being abused, uh, a homeless kid that hasn't eaten. Um, there are many things that you can visualize, and, and that needs to be told. And I think when people look at social service agencies all these years, you see videos and appeals on tv and it's usually babies on tv because they want your money and so on but these babies grow up and those stories to me are the most important part of who we are and what we can do to help each other those babies grow up and then they have a choice to make at about age 16 17 18 in that range uh you're going down the right path you're going down a tough path our job is to make sure we get as many kids going down the right path. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall into a pothole, but going down the right path as much as we can. And that's what we do. We change lives and save lives. It's the most important uh, part of our business. That's, that is powerful because when you talk about the type of work you do and the number of staff you could use uh, still, uh, not only do I think about the people that, that support financially, the work you do. You're trying to get the story out to them, mm -hmm. but you're also ensuring that your staff is connected with something bigger than maybe what's right in front of them, that, that bigger picture. How does, how does story help you keep people focused on the mission? Well, I, you know, I, I talk about compassion and passion. You, I think it's important to have the passion for your job. I mean, there isn't a day I, and I'm not joking and saying this, where I don't wake up and I'm ready to run through a wall. I feel good every morning, knock on wood, and because I know what I'm fighting for. There's kids out there, there's families out there that don't have uh, me and other people sticking up for them. That's uh, a fun thing to, to be tasked with, right? So you can come into work and you may have a report due or whatever due, but I also know at the end of the day that the person in the office next to me is changing a life saving a life and uh, that piece is important that's the passion the compassion actually is just as important and that's having the compassion not just for the community or the kids for each other 
And I truly believe this. I say it in every new employee orientation that you don't know what's going on with the person right next to you. And you don't know that the crisis they're going through with a child here at, at Children's Home, but they also may have something going on at home. And for people to judge people and to say that they're not doing anything or they don't understand, that as and it's come with experience, but that's become garbage in my in my life because you can't judge somebody if someone cares because you have no clue what's going on outside of here too. So I think having that compassion for each other is very, very important and it ties to communication. Mm -hmm. It ties to communication because if we're sitting here judging and I don't want you to work here, um, you know, go to the mall, you know, go somewhere else. Uh, I want people that care about other people because that does go on to the job at hand, taking care of the kids and families. They go hand in hand. So help me, because uh, somebody could hear like, oh, well, if I work for Matt, then he's going to always be compassionate. And if I aren't doing my job, if I keep screwing up, if I'm not following through my commitments, you know, you're supposed to be compassionate. How do you square that with holding people to you holding, know expectations? Yeah, that accountability piece is important in what we do because there's lives at risk. Mm -hmm. So that's what I say. You have to have... Both, you have to sit there and know that um, the outcomes have to be there. You have to do what's ethically right all the time in this job. Um, there's uh, sometimes it's clear cut. Most of the time it's a gray area. Um, what do you do in this situation when you see a kid who hasn't eaten in three days? First thing is I'm going to get him something to eat. Right. Right. Um, but there's rules to this. And, it, and sometimes the rules need to go by the wayside because you have to take care of these people. Um, and take care of these kids. So there is a fine line there. I think that's uh, where experience comes into play. I'm a very um, hands-on when it comes to being seen. I think it's a very important thing is to not uh, have a CEO sit at his or her desk. Um, I'm at every location. I was at four different locations yesterday. And I go around and I spend a large part of my job making sure people are okay. And I think it's an important thing. And, and I have in my office, I don't tell too many people this, but I guess they're going to know now listening to your podcast, I probably have 500 thank you notes. And it's, it's not, I save them because if something ever happened to me, I want the next boss to come in here and know how important that compassion is. I want them to see them. And it's not for a pat on the back to me. I don't need the pat on the back. But it's to show how caring the people that work here, how caring they are and how caring you have to be to see some of the stuff that we see. Now, talk about story. You, um, you just told your story in a pretty formal way. Tell, uh, tell me about your book. Yeah. Um, Nonprofit Game Plan is the name of the book. It, it went... Uh, January 15th I went on sale on, on Amazon and um, I wrote the book for several reasons one I wanted to um, honor all people that have dedicated their lives to social service to nonprofit and um, just I, I say it a lot uh, I appreciate and love fire and police and anybody that takes a military you name it um, and they get pats on the back and they should 
I mean, who doesn't respect a fireman, right? Uh, but social service people also should get those pats on the back. And because it, it's there's something going on all the time. And it, it doesn't happen. So that was one reason for writing a book. The other reason is people really need to wake up and take care of their community. That's one of the main messages I want to um, put out there is I don't care whether you're in a big town like Chicago or L.A. or Peoria, Illinois. It is our job to take care of this community or take care of our communities. And what's happening is a lot of times people don't want to know what's right underneath their nose. And so when you look at um, Peoria as an example, people don't want to know that there's a thousand plus kids that are homeless in Peoria public schools. People don't want to know that there's a lot of families that can't afford uniforms for school or that you're handing out free toothbrushes hoping that um, kids brush their teeth at home when the parents are having oral health issues themselves. And, and all of those things affect the health of a community, uh, literally the health of the community. Um, but it, a lot of it's kind of pushed to the side. And so a lot of times you'll hear about smoking and obesity, and those are all important things. But there's, there's some other issues out there, whether it's teen pregnancy or abuse or whatever it may be, that are equally as important, if not more important. And those need to be talked about more. People don't want to talk about them because they don't want to think about it. But uh, one of my goals is to get the word out and say, hey, we're taking care of these kids. These kids are our future. You hear it. It's not a cliche. You have to take care of the kids in the community. And uh, I take it seriously. How do you help? So, you know, getting the awareness out is certainly a big part of the storytelling. And so people become aware. How do you, in your experience, make it easier for people to maybe take a step forward in getting engaged in becoming a contributor? You said taking care of their community. Sometimes people don't know what do I do? Yeah. Well, that's a, a great question. It's one of the reasons why I feel like I'm putting myself out there personally, not only with this book, but with social media and website and everything else, because um, I think the more people that get out there and tell the stories, the more chance you have somebody that want to help. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I've personally helped um, just about every nonprofit in town. I, and my board, I have the best board in the world. They allow me to raise money for other agencies. Now, there isn't a fund development person in town that's allowed to raise money for anybody else other than, but my board understands the importance of the community because that's what we preach. And so um, I think understanding, I, instead of calling people donors, they're investors. You know, I'm, I'm investing into, you know, in this day and age, you want to invest into a Google. You don't want to invest in Blockbuster. And so it's it's no different with social service agencies. Know the impact of what people are doing. And that needs to be told more. There needs to be the outcomes need, even if you fail, if you're trying legitimately and doing what you can to help this group of people over here, no matter what agency it is, and you fail, then you adjust and carry on. So if I take that investor, I, I love that picture of that investor mindset um, because that resonates with us. You know, we want to return on the things that we invest in. That's right. And I would imagine 
if I invest a dollar in the mission that you guys have had, that you have at hand, there's um, a huge return in the future in the community. Well, I think that's what the typical investor wants. You, you know, when you're investing as a into stocks, you want to invest into good business. It's no different than a nonprofit. Um, the the returns in a stock, you may get a dividend, and you may get uh, the stock to go up. Well, the dividend here is a better community. And so that's why people give typically. Now, some people give for other reasons, and I won't go into all that segmentation piece, but the, um, but people give because it makes them feel good. That's one piece. And the other piece is that it actually makes a difference. And so it's our job, no matter what nonprofit it is, it's our job to accept those dollars, thankfully, and then take those dollars and put them to the best use. And, you know, not all nonprofits use the dollars wisely. Um, nonprofits that are struggling sometimes need to look at merging. Sometimes need to look at why do I have this program from 1985 and we're still doing the same thing. We've always done it. We've always done it that way. But, it, but Dean, it's no different than a business. If, if you were doing uh, accounting or something uh, tied to a for-profit business the same way you were 20 years ago, you're probably not a number one business anymore. Um, in your space. And so it's no different from the nonprofit. Most people don't, they just think of us as charities. We're not charities. We are real business. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, we're the 12th largest employer in Peoria. Think about that. That's significant. Significant. So, and that's a big part of it is communicating how uh, different organizations like yourself are doing what, right? How does that play out in Who's going to be doing what and how do you coordinate with each other? Well, you know, some of the terms I've heard is, you know, you're playing in my sandbox. You should, you know, get out of here. This is our our space and so on. No different than a for-profit. But it's really who's best in class at what they do. Like right now, there's probably six, seven, eight different after-school programs. Do there need to be six, seven, or eight after-school programs? Probably not. Um, And, you know, Five years ago, would someone say that statement? Or maybe even today, would they say that statement? No. But, you know, people are giving money, whether it is a United Way or whether it is a corporate or individual um, donor, they're giving dollars to make the community better. And they have to, from a social service side, collaborate more. Most don't know how to collaborate. And they need to actually look and seeing if their business or their program is working. And if it's not, then they need to really uh, kind of do a look at a redo, so mm-hmm. to speak, and uh, maybe team up with somebody, which is not a bad thing. What's a, what's a success story when you talk about collaborating with other organizations. Um, how does that look? Well, I, I, you can go as far as merging. I mean, I used to run Youth Farm uh, 15 years ago as the president of Youth Farm, and 12 years ago uh, merged Youth Farm into Children's Home. And so um, I, I looked at the, the numbers. Um, there was, uh, it was a tough time in the state of Illinois, and I thought to myself, you know, how are we going to have youth farm around for another 50 years? And the best thing to do was explore other options. 
I didn't want 50 kids out there with with 65, 70 staff to lose their jobs and these kids to hit the streets. Um, I came to Children's Home and I met with the CEO at the time and she was uh, open to the idea. Three, four months later, we were totally merged. It was one of the fastest nonprofit mergers that uh, the attorneys have ever seen. And I lost my job. I write about it in the book. I lose my job. And it was the best thing that, and the smartest thing I've ever done. And I did it at a relatively young age, um, knowing that I'd rebound, but also knowing that I, um, I wasn't really worried about myself, knowing that these kids were going to be taken care of. And that's true collaboration. That's knowing what, uh, what to do. We did the same thing at the Holt Center. We, we took the Cancer Center for Healthy Living. We took the Holt Center. We took the Mental Health Association. I merged them all into one. You don't need three directors mm -hmm. um, sometimes. You need um, one strong director who sits here and those savings that we realized at the time, it was an $88,000 savings. I'll never forget the number. And that $88,000 savings went back into the programs. So that's true collaboration. A lot of times egos are involved. A lot of times people don't want to lose their jobs. Um, the thing that I probably understand most is uh, the history. Mm -hmm. You know, you, d you mm -hmm. don't want to lose the history. We've been around. I think one of the agencies had been around 70 or 80 years. But that's not failing. That's actually doing what you're meant to do. There's a mission for a right. reason. Right. And the founders would have been focused on that mission, not on preserving nostalgia. And you have to run it like a business. Mm -hmm. You can't run it like a program. So it sounds like to, to do it well, what I'm hearing is you got to have a clear vision, you know, bigger than what you're just seeing in front of you. You've got to have connection to the mission and you've, you've got to have humility. Appreciate the mission, but know that this is a business. The humility piece is huge. You know, if, if I had to step down from my job today to save one kid, I would. Um, and that's not something that I need applause on or anything. I think every nonprofit leader should think that way. you got to flip the chart upside flip down. Flip it. Flip it. And, and I'm not sure everybody does, but, you know, I, I guess I could say without bragging, I did it. Um, lost my job. And... It didn't feel bad. It actually, I, I, it, it might have been one of the first times I was actually knew I made the right call. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew then, too, though, it was a business. Mm -hmm. And uh, 15 years later, it's even a bigger business. So that business mindset, you've, you know, your board has certainly had a hu huge influence on integrating a lot of great practices mm -hmm. into the organization. Uh, one of the things you mentioned in the book was was your your meeting cadence that you guys have developed. Tell me about, let's go inside the business, inside the organization. What are some of the biggest things that have helped communication inside that that you, you look at it today and you say, we can never stop doing this because it is so important to us? I think the most important thing is to have your leadership team all be on the same page and all preach the same thing. It's... It's very hard to walk into a room with eight people on your exec team 
and have eight different opinions. I mean, I like to think that we walk out of this room at the end of our exec meetings and know that we are all in agreement and we're all saying the same thing outside of here. That, now, I'm guessing it didn't. the meeting didn't start that way. Right. I mean, you guys, you guys have to wrestle with stuff, right? You got to get to the same page. Yeah. I I think that's in every business. I think communication has got probably if you did a employee survey and I don't care whether you're at a McDonald's or here or a hospital or whatever. If you look and you did an employee survey, communications probably in the top two things of of people that are upset anyway. Right. So. It's a constant. You never have hit a home run on communication. But what you can do are little things. It goes back to the compassion and passion. I think that's an important piece. I'm seen. I'm visible. I'm not stuck to my computer. The most important thing. Um, The second most important thing is to uh, not be afraid to pivot. If something's going wrong or a program's outdated or we're not just going to continue to do business to do business that way. Uh, we're going to make the call. Sometimes it's um, a tough call, but you're going to make it. Then the third thing is having that consistency. We do have um, our project management uh, meetings. We have a cadence. Even if we don't have any anything real with substance to talk about from the next week, we still meet. Sometimes those meetings are 10 minutes. But it gives those core team members an opportunity to I mean, you've probably heard of, of the five-minute huddle and different things like that that certain businesses do at the beginning of the day. It gives you an opportunity to look at everybody and catch everybody instead of texting them. Mm-hmm. And, and we do do that. And it always ends up being, hey, I need to talk to you after this. Just give me two minutes. Hey, I need to do this. And you can accomplish more in that 10 or 15 minutes than you can pretty much the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are, are very important things. The other important thing is, and the hardest thing to do is to have the managers and then new employees to understand that piece of the culture. And so it's not like we're awesome at it. I'd say we're good at it. We're not awesome at it. We, we have to improve. And we have a lot of gaps where we need to plug on a communication point of view. But it's no different than any other business. If you can get 5% better every year, you just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, that's how I look at it. I look at it as, as, as long as we're not on that downward tick, uh, going towards uh, a tough time, uh, we're doing our job. And and there and there's times when, uh, no matter what the cadence is, there's times where crisis takes over. That happens all the time. Um, we can't be in meetings without our phones because um, you know it's probably different in some business keep your phone at your desk or whatever but um, I think communication is something that I probably read about more than uh, than I did when I was 25 or 30 years old because it's the most important thing in a business and I don't think anybody can ever say they're an A an A plus it's it's an aspiration right you you keep trying to get better right you keep trying to get better. So let's kind of bring the pieces together here. Someone's listening that, that runs a, an organization. Uh, they, they, they run a nonprofit. They run a business. Maybe they're in charge of a team. Maybe they're a part of a team. Doesn't mean you have to be in charge of anything. What's, what do you think 
if I take something away and say, you know what, I got to keep this in mind as I move forward to get everybody on the same page, what, what do you want to make sure people keep in mind? Well, I think the most important thing is to be ethical and honest. Um, if someone makes a mistake, own it. Um, I make many mistakes every week. And I'll tell my board. Um, I will not hide one thing from my board um, because, and I think they, over these past five, six years, they've really appreciated that. And they know I'm going to tell them uh, what's going on. But that's no different no matter what position you're in. Uh, it, it's so much better not to hide something. I had a, there used to be a CEO that I reported to at one time a long time ago, and he was a Marine, and he'd always say, tell me something. I want you to start off each meeting. Tell me something you don't want me to know, but I need to know. And I made sure every meeting that I started off with something that, you know, here's what I'm hearing. And it wasn't tattletelling or anything like that. It was, it was really just, I need you to know this. And sometimes it wasn't bad, but it's not stuff that you tip. And I've always just loved that thought process because I've taken that to the boards and to whoever, um, our funders and state and everything else. You have to be honest with who you are. And I think that is the most important thing. And I think it actually is the easiest thing from a culture standpoint for people to know is when you're consistently honest, it's very visible. Everybody's watching, aren't they? Everybody's watching. And, and, and that impacts the entire culture, doesn't it? It impacts the entire culture. You're always going to sit here and say, um, I'm going to do a better job at communicate, communication. I'm going to do a way better job of listening. You hear that one all the time. I'm going to do a better job with my outcomes. But the one thing you can't hide is, is that, that piece of honesty. And um, because what do you have to lose if you think about it? I mean, we're in a tough business. And there's nothing to hide. You just Eventually, to, it's going to come out. It might as well out. be on your terms. It's coming out. It might as well be on your terms, and you might as well get it off your back. Yeah. Uh, stop thinking about it. And um, I think that's what's made me a way better boss. Um, in the book, I talk about compassionate leader, compassionate CEO. And um, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, when I spoke a couple weeks ago and he was in the audience, he said, uh, now I know what you're talking about. He said that compassion piece is something in my business that doesn't come across as much because it's so cutthroat and so you know it's that shark mentality. And I want to look weak. And uh, but I actually think the compassion piece shows strength, mm. and I think it's very important. Matt, this is awesome, and I feel like we could talk for hours on this. But if people want to get uh, more information about your book or follow you, what what's some ways that they can stay connected? Well, uh, if you ever wanted to volunteer or donate uh, any dollars, you can go on uh, Children's Homes website at chail.org, chail.org, um, or call us here. Uh, we've got a lot of locations, but the Knoxville office, everybody knows this building and this iconic building. Uh, and for me, uh, you can go... Uh, uh, Check out the book on Amazon, Nonprofit Game Plan. Um, 
I think it's a good book because I wrote it and it uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, or you can check out my website and in the back of the book, there's every way to get hold of me social media wise. But uh, you can uh, email me or, or call me on my cell. I'm very uh, I'm a very open book, but it's uh, the dot com is my website. And I'd love to uh, talk to you again sometime, Dean. It was fun. Matt, this is awesome. And, and I'm so appreciative of the work that your whole team does in the community and in the state. It's tremendous. And I am so thankful for your leadership and your, your candor in working to continually get better. Well, if you think about it, for 154 years, there's employees for that long that have really set the stage here. And so it's not one person. I just get to be the voice sometimes, but it's thousands and thousands of people. And that's what makes this job so cool for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Matt George, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks.